Yeah. Anyway, how you been? You been all right? Yeah, not too bad. I'm, I'm, you know, keeping busy with everything, even though I feel like I'm doing nothing, but I also feel extremely busy. It's kind of a bit, a bit of a strange double thing. Yeah, yeah, I've seen you being a bit more active online, though, which is nice to see. So, you oh, know, you're popping up my yeah. timeline. Yeah, that's yeah, what I went good. to an it's event last night here in, in Stockholm, and I was meeting up with people, and they were like, yeah, you seem to be really busy. I see you all the time, see you on LinkedIn and my feed. I'm like, yeah, that's because I have too much time on my hands, perhaps. No, it's 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 weird, isn't it? Because the least visible you are, obviously, you head down, you're cracking through. But then, obviously, you've got to... When, when, when you when you don't sort of have a lot of delivery to do you, you have to just get out there more and then you see a bit more and how you balance those two things is actually a critical thing which is what we're going to talk about probably one of the things that's relevant to talk about actually because i think a lot of folks are out there trying to figure out you know, how to navigate this market um and there's no there's no single expert um but there may be some techniques that we can share and, and you know perhaps um figure things out from there Anyway, we're live, everybody. So welcome to Brain Food Live on Air. It's episode 232. Uh, this is actually the second of a doubleheader. I've, I've been on air like an hour ago. Um, so we're just racking these things up in rapid order. And today is an episode that I, I, you know, it's a tough one to do because we did the state of the recruiter job market about six months or so ago uh, in Q1 this year when it was obviously looking like a tough uh, uh, a toughest year for us. Um, and we shared a lot of great information, a lot of great content, great support from everybody. Um, and I guess we we had all hoped um, that the market would have been improving uh, since that time. Um, however, it's it's continued to be very tough. Um, so we've decided to do part two on this just to get a re reassessment as to what people have experienced. Um, you know, what is the uh, what is your experience in the job market? Are job applications working? What is the interview situation like? That's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we've got a lot of recruiters who at various stages of the um, job discovery process, people who've been on the market for a while, just come on. Other folks have recently got jobs. Let's just talk to everybody who's at different cycles here, and then we'll figure out sort of where we all stand. The main point is we're all in it together. We're going to be a big community. We're going to share and support each other through uh, uh, this uh, uh, this episode and for uh, the rest of this year and beyond. Um, Anyway, let's get on with it. Um, quick word to our sponsors, as usual. Um, Brain Food Life, always sponsored every week, um, never failing. Um, and this week is one of our persistent sponsors. It is Symphony Talent. Um, so if you don't know Symphony Talent, they actually went through a mega kind of rebrand, refresh earlier this year. Um, and they're essentially kind of a one-stop shop for all of your TA uh, needs, all the way from recruitment, marketing, technology, delivery, all the rest of it. Um, really quite an interesting service. And if you're a type of business that is looking to um, uh, essentially uh, revise how you're going through your entire talent acquisition process, um, a business like Symphony Talent may well be worth your while to take a look at. I'm gonna share a link to the um, chat stream there. Um, so check them out, uh, symphonytalent.com. Um, we should be live streaming this. By the way, um, Crowdcast, if you can hear us okay, let us know. Um, uh, let me know in the comments with the audio visual. You should be seeing me and Sophia uh, next to us. Uh, next to us. So if you can uh, see us both, uh, say hello in the comments. Uh, we should be live streaming this in multiple places also. I wonder whether LinkedIn will actually allow me to do two live streams in one day. Um, I really do. They Yes, uh, we are back on uh, LinkedIn <laughs> as well. So uh, 
hello everyone on LinkedIn. Um, I hope you're, um, I'm actually on there. I don't know. I, I thought I saw myself live there, but it looks like I'm not. Um, so it could just be my phone going nuts. Uh, oh, I am live. That's great. 50 odd people watching. Fantastic. Um, say hello on LinkedIn. Uh, drop me a link in the comments if you can hear me okay. Um, anyway, we're welcoming back Sophia. Long time no see, but a, uh, a veteran of Brave Through Life. So, Sophia, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is uh, you do? Oh, what is I do? I don't know anymore. No, I'm Sophia. I'm uh, here in Stockholm, Sweden, and I'm a freelance recruitment consultant, talent acquisition person whatever you want to call it, anything related to recruitment, I tend to do it. Um, yeah, fantastic. And you've been kind of, um, it's, uh, there's lots of reasons why you're always welcome on the show, Sophia, but I wanted to get your perspective on this because you've been like a super successful person on the freelancer marketplace, always like working on different type of projects and what have you. Uh, but of course, the market conditions has affected the, the interim space as well as the permanent space, hasn't it? So you've also directly experienced kind of changing market conditions. So I wonder whether you could share with us a little bit of what your experience has been so far uh, on this uh, journey uh, that you've been on this year. Well, to be, to be fair, the first six months were up until the summer. So kind of Sweden breaks up in two halves of the year. We work until about midsummers, then we're off in like July and August. We just forget all about work ever existing and then we kind of come back so a little bit like the school term so for me personally um the first half of the year um in terms of of turnover i actually did better than last year um so that was that was good uh but i knew that kind of coming up to the summer the the little bits of work i had i know that was going to finish and then I had my hopes that let's see what's come August, August, I was kind of okay, it's still just August, let's go picking mushrooms and chill out and, and do what I do. Um, and kind of September and, and October and still nothing really coming, coming in. And I've been in a um, very kind of um, luxury position in my, in my business that clients have come to me. So I've not really had to go out and look for assignments. People have, have called me asking me to help them out. And, and all of a sudden, my, my phone's not really ringing anymore. And I'm kind of, is it me? What have I done wrong? Do people don't like me anymore? Do people think I'm, I'm you know, not good anymore? What, what's going on? And, and so it's, it's quite nice in a way. Not that it's nice that it's going bad for, for others as well. But it's, it's nice to know that it's more of the state of the market than, than me personally in, in that sense but it's I'm just not used to having to go looking for work so normally I have one main assignment and then little bits my training sessions and things like that on the side so currently I just have the little bits on the side and not the big main thing um, so that's my situation at least no, and you know what? Big part of the big you've actually introduced a really important point because when you are a job seeker or you're a person looking for for contract opportunities, it can be kind of a a, a lonely perspective. Um, and you might suddenly start 
um, uh, interpreting a changing market conditions for some sort of personalized verdict. I think that's quite normal, isn't it? Um, because if you're used to people coming at you, suddenly that doesn't happen. The questions start, the confidence is happening, all this type of stuff is going on. Um, but it's very important to recognize that um, that is not the real reason why there is a, uh, um, a lack of activity or a lack of success in converting things. It really is a market-wide phenomenon. Um, and and that sort of your mental um, well-being can certainly be damaged if you don't understand this. Um, so there's the first point that's very important to recognize. Um, there's many, many people highly qualified. I've just sh shared uh, Sophia's LinkedIn, actually. You can see sort of the credibility there. Um, and, and it isn't about capabilities, not about your, your qualities, not about this, that, and the other. Really has been a very tough market condition um, and a reluctance for companies to really invest into uh, talent acquisition, uh, particularly when they're being told to optimize, um, uh, do more with less, et cetera. All of that rhetoric is about not growing the company's fixed mm -hmm. costs, uh, which is what recruiters uh, uh, typically are on. So that's the uh, the reality of the, uh, of the marketplace. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you've, try to deal with it um, because there's there is that mental component um, so, so have, have you got any techniques to kind of keep to ensure that you don't go down a, like a negative spiral because I think that there's a risk of that isn't there where you can end up getting really quite um, you know in a bad place mentally uh, have you got any techniques you can share with us on this um, Sophia well well personally I earlier this year got into to pottery and make stuff uh, so now I just make lots and lots and lots and lots of pottery um, to kind of keep myself busy. But as you mentioned, just as we, we were going live, um, you've seen a lot of me on, on LinkedIn lately. So I'm trying to kind of um, stay current, read things, comment on things, share my knowledge, kind of share what it is I've done with previous clients, not just sit, sit quietly. Um, and kind of make sure that I am still top of mind for when people do um, do have something that I'm I'm the one they think of. Um, and I, I look at kind of the way I sell myself and the way I'm trying to get my business is to to rather than reach out to lots of people. And maybe this is this is a mistake. I don't know, but that's my my way of doing it. Is I want to try and get people like attract people to me rather than me sending lots of cold emails because I think of it personally like I hate being on the receiving end of sales emails and cold emails and you know doing this so I rather want to share my my skills and knowledge in a way that people go like oh she can do that that's good to know for when we need it um and I I literally go to any kind of HR recruitment type mingles and event I went last night I've been known to go to like three in one day I just make sure that I'm top of mind for when people do need um, the help. And just the other day, I do have my profile out with a potential client. So everyone, fingers crossed for me, please. Um, and it was a girl who, who called me up saying, oh, I remember you were looking for work. And I remember mm -hmm. the day you wrote about it, that you were quite kind of honest and open, saying it was a bit hard for you to admit that, that you were open. So she liked the way I did it. So I'm trying to, because uh, my business is me. It's like I have no intention of, of growing my business, having employees. It's even my business is my name. Um, so I'm trying to be very open and honest and about me and who I am 
and and trying to differentiate myself that way so that when people do need the way I look at it and the way I want to to be perceived is that when people come it's because they actually want my help not that you just ha- need a TA person who could potentially do the job um I kind of want people to want Sophia no um, it makes absolute sense and and I love the immediate understanding that the there's like kind of two approaches not to say you do one exclusively or the other but there's an outbound approach and there's an inbound approach and you've decided okay what I need to do is to go outbound sort of inbound uh, that means putting your uh, commentary uh, online be more visible um, and even being public about your current situation. So, because a lot of people might not know, uh, you know, it's, it's like you can't presume that other people that have potential opportunities instantly know or remember uh, that you might be looking for work. You have to re-emphasize that. You have to keep talking about it. Um, and and it's, it's weird because some people, you know, um, like to talk about it more than others. There may be character things here involved. And I just spoke to a good friend of mine, actually, who I know is inherently anti. Uh, talking about himself um, and I was trying to have a chat with him and I was saying look man um, I totally understand you don't like to do this or don't prefer to do this um, but it's a technique that you might be able to use here because um, or you might need to use because right now whatever you're trying relying on is not working um, and again his approach previously was coming inbound and you know uh, relying on network and all the rest of it Going and pushing content outbound, by the way, is simply making your network a little bit more electric. Um, it's still your network seeing it, but your network is going to forget about you because um, you're not talking to them every day. Um, so you can increase your visibility to them by posting stuff up there and start talking about it. Um, and it could be, tell us a little bit about the, the sort of content you're sharing. So I wonder whether a lot of people might be listening to this and thinking, yeah, Hong, you might be right, but what am I talking about? What have you been talking about um, You know, online? Anything really. One of the things, because in the beginning, early this this in like September, I did share that I was looking and I kind of share ask for advice of how do I go about finding work. So I had uh, lucky a few people kind of offered to have a bit of a session with me, just a um, kind of brainstorming session to get ideas. And um, they specifically asked me like, well, what is it that you do? And I'm like. I do everything and trying to kind of pinpoint what it is that I do because in the past I've not had to kind of put together a package because people have come to me asking me can you help us with this I'm like yes I'm fine sure I'll do that or can you help us with that okay I can do that or no so I've not had to say what I do because people have come to me anyway so then I had to kind of what is it that I do or thinking about what is it that I don't do so I started kind of sharing little videos about kind of templates I've put together, processes I've created, tools I'm using and how I'm using them um, to kind of show what it is I have done for previous clients so that people get a better understanding for what it is I can help them with. So that's one of the things that I started doing this year that I haven't done in the past but then I also keep on doing kind of sharing my opinions and, and one my way of getting inspiration for, for posts on LinkedIn, for example, if I see something that I don't necessarily agree with or somebody says something that annoys me, I don't necessarily jump into the comment field and I go, you know, uh, but I kind of take that slight anger <laughs> and turn it into my own post. Right. Rather right. Than 
getting the words out, not to get in a discussion uh, and not kind of going, oh, I saw Han, you said this, more kind of going, oh, I've seen people saying this, or there's, there's this opinion going about, and so not really attacking anyone specifically, but more of, of the different, and my take on it, on a different thing. So trying to get that, um, in a way, being inspired by others or agreeing or disagreeing with them. Yeah, right. So, so two, two content strategies if you like or ways to kind of find things to talk about if you're sitting there thinking i don't know what to talk about here's two things to just share with you firstly what are, what's your operational work like how do you do your work just expose a bit of that um because what seems to, to you to be completely mundane or of course you do this that may be very new to other people in fact it will be very new to other people um because they're not working directly with you Everyone's style is different. It's like sharing recipes, you know, it doesn't have uh, cooking recipes. It doesn't have to be something that's completely amazing that no one's ever cooked this meal before. But because you, this is your approach, your style, you're going to get a bunch of people who have either never seen that recipe before or have seen the recipe before but have a different take on it. And suddenly that's going to be interesting. So what are your recipes when you're doing your recruitment work? Do you recall those? Have you documented it? Have you, do you understand your style, your approach? All of that is gold dust to put out there as content um, because not only um, is it content, but it's also evidence, right? It's evidence of your capability, mm -hmm. evidence of your work, uh, and you're suddenly not just another CV or no, not another application. The person viewing this might actually, oh, this is the style. I get it. I mean, maybe they don't like it. That's fine. Maybe they do like it. Even better. So operationalize basically you 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 work publicize your operations basically uh, that's an easy way to get content out there and by the way you'll have never ending amount of content if that's what you did um so there's the first technique second technique is like please don't rage comment on when you see something online it's like yes you can rage comment the rage but you're wasting content opportunity because what what sophia is talking about is look sit down on your annoyance for a second um, to understand why you're annoyed and try and articulate that in your own post. Um, why give the other person the traffic? Because if you're commenting on their post, you're generating traffic to that person. Not what you want at this time. You want people's eyeballs coming at you because you might be on the market and looking for opportunity. Take that comment. Can you craft a post on that and post it on your own uh, uh, sort of uh, page? And then boom, it all happens. So I think they're two great one uh, sort of comment um, uh, content ideas. I'd love for you to let me know in the comments yourself what your ideas are in terms of posting on it. I presumably it's all on LinkedIn. It's where you need to be. So how yeah. do you go about finding stuff to talk about on LinkedIn? Let me know in comments. It might be useful to create a list of those things uh, that are out there. Okay, cool. I'm going to bring on some of our other guests to see what their sort of, sort of the permanent market is looking like. Uh, because Sophia, I suspect it's very similar uh, because I do believe it's a market-wide phenomena. Um, we're going to keep you on, Sophia. So you're going to help me interrogate these guests here. Um, let me uh, yeah, just be nice. You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, let's bring on Nikki. Um, and I think Amanda Jean is here as well. Let's bring Amanda. Oh, Amanda, you've literally just called yourself Amanda, haven't you? Um, and there's three Amandas. I reckon it's you, Amanda, in the yellow. So you're coming on. Just click on. You're on the show. <laughs> it's got to be. I mean, I hope so anyway. Oh, there's Nikki. Hi, Han. Can you hear me? We can hear you fine, Nikki. Perfect. Great to see you. 
Um, Nikki, um, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Um, well, I'm an unemployed bum at the moment, but I was previously the head of talent acquisition at ClearCourse, who were a startup fintech and payments organisation. I've been in recruitment and talent acquisition for about 13 years now. Cool. Well, you're not an unemployed bum. Um, how, <laughs> t- tell us what happened. Like, how recent are you on the market, Nikki? Like, when did this uh, occur? I was made redundant middle of October, so it's been roughly four weeks. Cool. So you're very fresh to this perfect stuff. Um, we also have Amanda Jane. Great to see you, Amanda. Um, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What is you do? Sure. Um, thanks for having me, Hang. Um, what do I do? So I was previously a talent acquisition lead at Zalando. So also an unemployed bum, or rather unemployed. Um, and uh, yeah, been at Zalando for the last five and a half years um, until we had a round of, uh, let's say, voluntary layoffs um, as it was handled internally. Uh, and yeah, uh, I think that was around uh, end of July that I, I started sort of garden leave um, and then sort of officially off the payroll uh, at the end of October. So it's been running for a while, um, but now definitely um, open to work. So that's what the situation's been so far. No, great. Um, so first thing I want to say, and I know you guys came on just joking about it a little bit, but I wonder whether the language we use to describe ourselves is quite important um, because it, 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 it is a, still kind of a sense of shame maybe about being on the market, isn't it? Um, especially involuntarily employed. We did, I did a poll uh, on LinkedIn, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, about whether the open to work badge was positive or negative. And overwhelmingly, everyone was saying, Hung, I can't believe you even put the post up there. Of course, there's no problem, <laughs> problem etc. And I took that as a very positive sense that I was getting a bit of flack for that. Um, because it means that, you know, as, as recruiters, we're not judging it negatively. Uh, but I think there's still that sense of residual feeling that to be out of work is 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 uh, a shameful thing which surely we we'd know that's not the case um and particularly when we know that market conditions being uh what they are so the language we use i think is quite important um because sometimes you know words can kind of turn into thoughts and thoughts can turn into to, to real things um but okay let's go with uh, so firstly i think you two are in different markets as well so we're talking about that in 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 first instance amanda jane i'm going to go to you first because we met in berlin um uh, sort of what three months a number of times yeah yeah but more, most recently it's quite it was in june or something wasn't it so yes, it was. uh, maybe about four or five months ago um what can you tell us about the state of the berlin job market as far as recruiters are concerned well i think it, the market's pretty flooded right now um and a lot of the recruiters in the current market have worked at multiple companies that are based in Berlin. So um, the the competition is fierce, I would say, when it comes to picking up a new role. But what we've seen generally across Germany is that language has become a huge barrier. So if you're a tech recruiter in the market, usually uh, knowing German was not such um, a big deal because of the talent that you're looking for and hiring. Um, but now we're seeing a lot of this language requirement coming up. And I must say, I just decided to do a quick search um, today to see, um, you know, just in the first 10 roles that come up that are relevant, um, how many are looking for German. And I have to say that it was around seven out of 10 that were requiring German. 
And it's not to say that all 10 are necessarily relevant to you. It's a mix between lead individual contributor, some talent management roles. So there's even variation in, in what comes up. So it's, it's really a big, uh, big barrier at the moment. I think also just across the market in general, um, the, the competition wraps up as well, the scarcity, because um, yes, we might look in Germany, but if we're not finding results in Germany, you want to look broader than that. So you have recruiters that aren't even based here that will also look for work in Germany. So that widens up the pool a lot more. So yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's a jungle out there. You know, this is actually a really, and, and Amanda, thanks for chiming in on the um, language aspect. So, so for folks outside of uh, Germany and uh, particularly Berlin and Amsterdam, I think let's locate it to capital cities. Um, the reality is if you were a recruiter and you're working in tech um, in those cities over the last 10 years or so, really the language requirements have been completely dropped away. Uh, it was like, you know what, uh, English was the uh, working language in the office. The candidates you were recruiting, typically software engineers, they were predominantly using English, whether they were German natives or not. Um, and therefore, you, it wasn't even a thing. It was like, OK, um, you can come in and work and, and be totally fine. Suddenly now we're seeing language requirements being dropped in into, into cities that really you can argue you don't really need to have that that requirement so i can only assume the reason why that's being inserted into job ads is to try and kind of suppress the applicant flow isn't it um like too many candidates coming in i need to convert five thousand applicants to 500 or 500 to 50 i'm going to throw a language requirement and then boom i've got my 50 candidates i can look at yeah a lot of theories around that as well um because what i've also seen with roles that i sort of interviewed for um, the processes have become a lot longer as well. It's not to say that, you know, case studies haven't been used in, um, in numerous jobs, but I've seen that the stages one is put through, one interview, next interview, case study, case study presentation, it's gotten a lot longer. And um, I think one recruiter told me that they've actually used this as a further filtering um, mechanism not just the language, but then also making it quite a cumbersome process as well. Um, and then I'm sure you'd want to get on to compensation at a later stage. I won't add um, <laughs> into that yet. Yeah. No, no, let's, let, let's, go, straight, let's yeah. go straight there. I mean, are you seeing basically pressure down in terms of a comp? Everyone's yeah, I think, yeah. you know, post, uh, well, not post-pandemic, but when we had the surge in hiring, recruiters became super high in demand. And the salaries just went, I mean, even when I had to hire for my own team, it became really difficult to close someone because of the high expectations. And I've just seen a huge drop now, like, let's say, at least in euros, about uh, 20k um, in annual salary. And it comes to a point where in the start of your job search, you think, mm, no, this is not going to work for me. But as it goes on and on, Realistically, you have to think about, you know, how am I supporting myself and any dependents I may have. And um, on top of that, if, if you're quite connected to having a leadership role, um, you know, quite frankly, you have to be willing to go into an individual contributor role as well. Um, but then again comes the bias when you have that leadership experience, there is this assumption that you are looking for a leadership role. So unless someone actually that conversation with you, you might actually just already be disqualified of the application process. 
And let's not get onto the subject of ghosting. I think this whole experience has definitely, if you didn't know yet, you know what bad candidate experience looks like. You felt it. And you know, this is definitely not, these are the pitfalls I have to avoid at all costs. Thank you for sharing that, Amanda, Jane. Um, so three things that you're experiencing as a job seeker, sort of increase of requirements, um, language requirements and so on. And by the way, I know a lot of people outside of the territories of Germany and, 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 and Netherlands and so on will maybe rightly say, go and learn the language then, which I think, you know, is a fair, is a fair criti criticism. But the point is, it, it wasn't a requirement and was actually being pushed away as a requirement for the last five, 10 years or so. So now that's being brought in. Yes, there's going to be additional friction for people that don't have the language requirement. Um, and that, that would be uh, that would be something that those individuals need to negotiate. Secondly, um, uh, there is a scenario whereby your people's expectations, job seekers' expectations need to be revised um, because compensation, we're all attached from a personality perspective to the numbers, aren't we? We feel good when we've hit a, an all-time high. We don't feel good ever going down, um, but we might need to go down um, because that's the market reality. We have to you know, understand the landscape. Um, and not necessarily, you know, um, continue to burn our own uh, kind of cash because we're living in 2021, which is not the the, the year today. Um, and prolonged recruitment processes, so hard to close. People are not making decisions. They're maybe maybe from a, an employer's perspective, they now have a uh, abundance by mindset in the sense that you know what you know Nikki was really good but maybe I'll just hang on I've just got this CV from Amanda Jane oh Amanda Jane's great but uh, Sophia's just popped in to say she's interested and then, you know suddenly it's just a never-ending thing so very interesting uh, scenario I think this does describe um, our own understanding of what the market is and uh, Nikki let's switch to you you're early into it four weeks uh, on the open market maybe looking a little bit before then um, when, uh, you know, uh, when the situation was clear internally for you. Um, what have you initially accounted for the jobs that you've been looking at, the market? How would you, how would you describe it? I would, I'd echo what, Sarah, what Amanda Jane has said. It's, it's no, no different in the UK. The, what I'm, what I see is a lot of jobs available. Um, I've, I've made over 50 applications in the last few weeks. Um, but it seems we're in a very weird position that in the marketplace, you've, we've got a lot of jobs available and also a lot of candidates looking, which isn't usually the case. So it seems that recruiters, and this is, I'm being very nice here, but recruiters are being overwhelmed with the amount of applicants that they're getting. And yeah, the ghosting is just unbelievable. And just the lack of, the lack of acknowledgement, um, if you haven't been successful, I, um, I've noticed that the internal, in good news, internal TA teams are performing better in terms of automated responses and some really well-written thanks for your application, but type notifications. Um, but I've been absolutely, I've been very disappointed by the applications that I've made through job boards through that are being advertised by agencies. Literally just nothing. No, no, no no acknowledgement, no, no rejection email. And I wonder whether it's, you know, is it, I don't think it's just recruiters being crap, or, although I, I think that's probably an aspect of it. Um, is it the technology they use? Because internally, you know, I know as, as, a, as, a, as a team lead and I've implemented a number of different ATS systems during my time. And I've always 
because I'm very passionate about candidate experience, I've always done everything I can to make sure that at every stage in the process where we can automate it, we make sure that somebody gets some form of communication. Mm -hmm. And you can do that quite easily with most ATSs. But recruitment agencies uh, tend to use CRM systems as opposed to ATSs, which maybe don't have that functionality. That could be it, actually. Yeah, Yeah. an aspect of it. I'm trying to be nice. Part of it. Yeah, trying to be nice. So yeah, we seem to have lots of jobs, but also lots of applicants, um, overwhelmed recruiters. I definitely agree with the salary range drop, roughly around 20k. And you know, Hung, it's it's all very well saying, can we readjust our expectations and can we drop our salary requirement? But I've got a fixed term mortgage that comes to an end in April, and my monthly payment is going to be increasing by 300 pound a month. So can I afford to drop very much? Not really. Yeah, um, that's the context. The, the cost of living crisis has exactly. gone completely counter to our yeah. own market conditions, which makes it really, yeah. really tough. So very sorry to hear um, those issues as well, Nikki. Um, uh, you mentioned something really interesting about sort of the, actually you've applied, I don't think anybody can question the effort rate. If you're applying to 50 jobs, that's that's a decent uh, sort of number of outbound. What is What have you received on there? So we know there's automated rejections. We know there's like black hole. Um, how, has there been any conversion, like any interviews, anything going on? Let me check my spreadsheet. Um, the I don't have a spreadsheet. <laughs> you've got to do it, right? The oh, only, ironically, the only role, I mean, I've been rejected for a job where the job description literally matches my CV. I've, I've worked for a private equity-backed fintech startup for the last two years. I set, set up TA from scratch and built out the team and all the processes, et cetera. There are job descriptions that have literally asked for someone to do exactly that that I've been rejected for. The only role that I have got through to interview for is actually one that I didn't apply for and I was approached via LinkedIn and it's not even a talent acquisition lead or specialist or head of role. It's a it's a slight shift, which is interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, so all of the other ones have been black hole or black no? Hole. Black hole or no. Wow. Yeah. What's, what's your theory as to why you were rejected? And like, let's not talk about theory because we don't know, but... When you are a very close match to a job, like literally line for line, a match for the job, like what's the site and you're a no, how do you handle that? I mean, are you are you like super annoyed and you want to go back? I'm, like what? I'm normally if, if I feel that it was a really good match and, and I've been quite picky. I haven't applied for many roles that, that have been outside of the the stand, the job titles or salary ranges if they're advertising salary. Um, so there are a number of reasons. If uh, you know, most applications ask you to put your desired salary in. If my desired salary is is 10, 15, 20k higher than what they're paying, then they're probably just going to reject me out of hand because because of the volume of applicants that they've received. I did get one bit of feedback actually. So what I'll normally do is I'll I'll swallow the anger and then I'll I'll send a very polite email asking what I could have done to improve my application or if I could have any further feedback. I got one response um, from one internal talent acquisition lead who said, all I can tell you at this stage is that we've had over 400 applicants and this was for a head of TA role. Yeah. And this yeah, wasn't so. even anything out of the ordinary. It was hybrid. It was in London. I believe they were advertising the salary and the salary was not out of this world. So this was your humdrum average head of TA role over 400 applicants. Yeah, Honestly, that's I think uh, from the sheer volume, yeah. if, if there's just one little thing that, you know, 
kind of disadvantages you in yeah. any way. I don't know. Maybe it's, um, you know, what. One word. It could name. be one keyword. Your name starts with, I don't know. Yeah. But then, you know, you're just one out of 400, right? And is this, and know. I wonder as well, is this, because I'm, you know, I, it's been quite a long time since I've been a job applicant. Mm-hmm. I've been fortunate in that I've been able to base most of my internal TA career on following my chief people officer around. Um, <laughs> uh, she, she unfortunately is not looking for a new TA lead at the moment. That could change. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Um, but I also wonder, is it is technology working for us as recruiters or is technology in terms of using tech to automatically reject people? Is that rejecting people out of hand that might actually be suitable for the role? Well, I think there's one thing here. I mean, the reality is if you're getting 400 applicants, there's going to be more than one person that's capable of doing mm-hmm. that job. Um, so there's probably going to be 30, 40, maybe even more people that could feasibly be candidates. Um, but for the recruiter receiving that that inbound, they can't process that that number. So they're going to basically do an optimal stop when they've got a couple of candidates that look fairly right. Then it's going to yeah. either freeze uh, it's direct no or, again, just think about the psychology of it. It could be there's candidates that they like that are in process, which is why you get the black hole experience because you're kind of kept on the back burner yeah. and then they'll, they'll pull you back in if there's a dropout or something of this type. Um, but we've also got commentary here. Daniela, thanks for sharing your experience. 110 jobs applied uh, over the last five months, two first round interviews only. So this is obviously the, uh, the, the state of the market. But it also tells us a little bit about the strategy, job searching strategy, because if we know that it's a low percentage play to go and apply for jobs because you're up against two, three hundred candidates per at a time, then we can't be spending overly too much time on the applicant side. And maybe techniques like Sophia's of you know, getting out there and drawing inbound or finding other ways in which uh, work can come towards you uh, might be something we have to put into play here as well. And by the way, just want to say Carolina shared something which she says is an upgrade on the spreadsheet. Um, so I don't know whether anybody knows this product uh, Teal, but it looks like it's designed for job seekers. Um, and, and yeah, maybe maybe something we could use. I don't know. Uh, check it out into the chat. Um, okay, we've got to keep going, guys. We're going to keep 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 with us, uh, Nikki and Amanda. We're going to bring on uh, some other people here to share their experience. Um, going forward, though, um, what kind of um, advice would you give yourself now that you know what you know, if you could jump back in time, back just when you were on the market for the first time, um, what advice would you give that version of Nikki, that version of Amanda Jane um, in terms of how to approach this this marketplace? Um, so Amanda Jane, let's go with you first. I would say probably to be a bit open-minded, more open-minded in what you're looking for, that it doesn't have to be your typical recruitment role um, because by also keeping more out there and speaking to people, it doesn't mean that you have to be a super super social media star on LinkedIn or anything, even just connecting with old colleagues and finding out what they're up to, um, even if there are some joint initiatives that you can get up to together. um, You'll start to find new avenues, be it in a program management capacity, perhaps you're helping um, someone to demo a new product, um, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a strictly TA role. And this might open up a lot more for you um, when it comes to, you know, finding your fits. I think you had a session today as well on how to 
map your career path, it doesn't always have to be what you think it should. And you might find out that, you know, there's something actually more interesting that you didn't consider before. Yeah, excellent, Amanda Jane. So you're saying, hey, listen, let's not be overly defined at the beginning of the journey because you know what? You've got to take inputs from the marketplace and then figure it out from there. So let's be flexible, open-minded. We should always be this anyway. Um, obviously, you know what your North Star is, but you know what? How you get there could could take a, a, a different type of path. Okay, cool. How about you, Nikki? What, are you, what would your advice be if you were to leap back in time and speak to, to, to Nikki Taft four weeks ago? To be honest with you, the, the last four weeks have gone so quickly, hun, because I've been doing so much. I've been attending a lot of IHR events. Um, <laughs> you know, I've been getting out there on LinkedIn. I've also been doing a little bit of um, partnership with the guys at Bridge of Hope Careers. So I've been acting as an unofficial ambassador for them and contacting some, making some connections that I know to see if I can um well basically sell their services into organizations which I would agree with Amanda Jane it is about being open-minded because the role that I I fight that role that I had an interview for this morning is more sales focused and four weeks ago that's not absolutely not something that I would have considered at all um, so yeah remain open-minded remain flexible and try and stay positive yeah absolutely well let's make sure thank you for coming on and sharing your experience that's fantastic stuff guys um stay with us we're going to keep talking we're going to keep sharing stuff so uh thank you amanda jane um and thank you nikki tar um these are recruiters that are available by the way so go check them out um on linkedin um okay we're going to bring on john hull here um john he is a uh, super experienced um uh uh recruitment leader um, and I wanted to bring John on simply because of the, the, you know, where are we in terms of the job search market at a senior level, super senior level. Um, so um, there he is. There's John Hull. Hey, Hung. Um, How are you doing? Very good. Wonderful to see you, John. Uh, thanks for being patient. Um, John, why don't you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? So I'm John Hull. Um, I'm previously head of resourcing for Balfour Beatty. Carillion nationwide, amongst others, over the years. Um, yeah, and yeah, I'm looking for work. No, excellent. And and by the way, I've just shared John's LinkedIn there. Um, go and connect with John. He's one of the uh, great uh, contributors to the community in the UK and beyond. And and the companies you work for, are obviously, like mega scale businesses, aren't they, John? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, big corporates rather than you know startups or smaller smaller businesses. Yeah, so I really thank you for coming in and sharing yeah, your thoughts cool. and experiences here because I wanted to get that angle because I'm a little bit technical start, start focused. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about what your experience has been on the job market to date, John? I mean, similar, similar to the previous contributors, really. And it's, you know, hit, hit and miss. I've done a lot of networking, as you, as you kind of expect, you know, personal network, business networks, um, which tend to lead to better conversations but longer burn because there might not be an uh, an opportunity today tomorrow but I've, I'd encourage people to keep the networking up because it's one of those things that pays back and I think there's karma in it as well you know you'll help people out I've helped a lot of people out and it sort of it does I think I believe it does come back um I think interest I mean it's interesting to hear the previous kind of contributions about the experience and it think it's a wake-up call to our profession despite you know I mean how many seminars 
and tech companies and whatever talk preach candidate experience and we haven't even nailed it you know and it would go back two years when candidate you know candidates were king um a recruiter were king still didn't nail it then there was still complaints about ghosting and and and, it, and, it, and i think it comes back to leadership it's poor use of i think nikki said it nearly every ats that you can implement has some sort of automation at least to acknowledge um your application and and give a time scale right you know i mean as, as bill borman says doesn't it you know the bar is very low on candidate experience all you need to do is say thanks for your application we're closing it in end days and then an acknowledgement after even if you've not thanks very much you're not successful this time that's, i mean that is no that's not a great bar but we, no one has nailed it you know and i'd say my experience there are a couple of applications i've had where i've had that experience couple where i've interviewed and the feedback you know one one where i wasn't successful feedback was just you know nothing the other one was you know good feedback you know constructive which you'd sort of expect and you think what have we been doing for 25 years <laughs> right so you can't even get feedback after an interview to a level of constructive sort of level to say you know actually it was a good application but you know a you did you, a, B, and C weren't, weren't as good as this. And I, I take it back. I worked for Nationwide Building Society for about three years. And the only people that were any good at feedback were the customer service folk who were absolutely nailed on in giving candidates feedback. And guess what? Because they had to do that every day with a customer. You know, yeah. marketing directors can't do it. Directors can't do it. And so there's something very wrong i think in our you know not just the ta industry because that's that's unfair to kind of not just ta that's involved in the whole process but in our management it's about feedback really and and then i think a ta leadership is lacking in in using the tools and technologies we all, already have forget what what else is out there but really utilizing it yeah so we we need to optimize the yeah. the usage of feedback and and the reason yeah. why sort of the I mean, as, as Bill mentioned, it's like, okay, bar's low. Maybe the first thing we need to, to aim for is to make sure the information on your mm. your yeah. status is available. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's not necessarily I need someone to be on a call with me for 40 minutes and talk me through it. I just need to know whether this application yeah. is going forward or not. Um, because yeah. how much time are you spending just emotional energy or emotional investiture mm. into an application um, is very important. Just cut it off. Let me know that's not happening and then I can move on. And the more applications you've got outstanding, I think the less energy you've got to, to, to apply yeah. to further things yeah. because you, 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 you just don't know. So uh, basic stuff, let's make sure we communicate back when it's no. Let's take the job down if it's definitely not happening. Right. Um, and, you know, let's have a more, uh, here's where I think programmatic might help a little bit. I mean, um, again, we're, we're kind of weak at adopting technologies that can help us with this, but job ads that basically exist on a time frame, time duration, require a manual delete. Um, and that it may just be one extra step that a human overextended recruiter will either forget to do or not do mm. promptly enough. It needs to be automated to say, look, I've got three candidates yeah. in at final stage. Of course, the advert needs to be delisted mm. at yeah. this point. Um, so we, we can use automation tools for this. But I mm. think programmatic um, is, is still at like less than 8% mm. adoption in the UK at the very least. Uh, John, you're a senior person. 
Um, and in terms of, you, you mentioned job applications. What are you going through? How do, how do you find them? Are you on, online looking for these things? Yeah, well, it's a mixture. I think it's the same as as previous contributions. You know, agencies, um, on, you know, there'll be, there'll be some, a lot of them are directly advertised. A lot of them, you know, will be through a network. Um, I think I think what's happening, you know, from what I'm hearing from recruiters, as in agency recruiters, is there's a lean towards, um, I think as Nikki said, you know, you've got to have experiences king over, you know, potential capability. So, you know, all that discussion we've had in the last five years about, you know, cross-fertilization of ideas and, you know, experience not being everything. I think the default, and I understand why it's happening, but it's not necessarily good for all sorts of things like diversity and all of that is people are kind of leaning on the experience as a kind of, it's an ease of sifting, it's a comfort blanket for the hiring manager. You know, if, if you work for X, Y, and Z and they're in my industry or in my patch, it's it, it doesn't show you how good anyone is, but it, but it um, you know, I guess it's a shortcut to, getting that work done right yeah so it's so a cynical hat on um mm. we cannot we can say that hiring for potential hiring for skill-based hiring all this type of stuff that might have been like a useful rhetoric when there was like a low candidate flow because yeah. it means that you know what we can you know we need to broaden the uh the aperture at the, at the yeah. top of the funnel but if we're overwhelmed we want to narrow the funnel yeah. hence the language requirement comes in hence yeah, we yeah, need yeah. the sector experience we need all mm. of these things fitting in perfectly well mm. um Okay, John, uh, in terms of sort of your um, your own kind of approach to um, the job search effort, um, it, like, again, if you could revise your own way of doing it, how would you optimize go, the, your approach going forward? Where would you kind of say, right, actually, we should spend more time in this activity, mm. less on that? Um, have you got any thoughts on that you can share? I think, well, I would say definitely your network or a network is from from many perspectives. So one is you're more likely to get better kind of leverage because someone will know you're there, make an introduction, there's some kind of personal connection. Um, and actually, and for in, on that basis is spend time with some third party recruiters as well, because you've got to kind of, in this sort of market, you've got to go broad, but you know, don't be scattergun, but find, some of the agencies, I mean, you're going to apply for jobs that are run by an agency you've never heard of, but is keep on top of their mind because they will know you. And when they get a job, again, that, you know, that, you know, what is their trigger as an agency? They want to fill it quickly to get paid. Mm -hmm. So if they've got one, two, three people, they, they will go to the hiring manager because, you know, I guess in this market, the exclusivity thing goes out the window for those third parties potentially and fees come down. Mm -hmm. So if you are top of their mind and you can, you know, you are you are the CV they will bring to their hiring that hiring meeting, right? And go, oh, they look all right. So I think that I think I think you know the network and and you know through the network you might learn is keeping your kind of skills sharp and knowledge sharp of the market as well, definitely. Okay, really good tips with interacting with third party recruiters. Don't neglect the third party no. recruiter. 
oftentimes we send the CV in, we have a phone call and we just say, okay, let them go with it. Um, but find a way which you can keep top of mind. And by the way, I don't think John means just like hammering and harassing people. That's, that no, doesn't no, no. help anybody. You've got to build a positive relationship yeah. with all of these people, but find a reason to be visible. Similar to as something you mentioned, Sophia, at the beginning, like it's almost like just be top of mind without being intrusive. Um, yeah. Yeah. So find a way to be visible because most people aren't going to hold you know, 3,000 people's names in, the, in their heads. Um, but if you're like there in their inbox or you're kind of online somewhere and you're kind of like doing things in community, then suddenly people might just think, you know what, I'm, I, this opportunity has yeah, come I've, up, this person might be relevant. I've done, I mean, not I'm not sort of excessive, but a bit of blogging about subjects that you know about, you know, um, particular passion miners assessment, um, and automation so i've done a couple of blogs on linkedin over the last two or three months on that and you just get some again it doesn't lead to a job offer but it you know you get some comments and you get some feedback and visibility you know visibility yeah it is yeah, yeah. guys guys what this is is simply brand awareness it's exactly mm. the same as you trying to do brand awareness aside from generating leads um but we know that those two things work in tandem uh, yes, you could. You need to apply for jobs. You need to go more direct to where the opportunities are. Of course, that's true. But you also need to build brand awareness because you'll get triple through stuff coming at you. And when there is a point of conversion, your brand awareness, the brand awareness they have of you is going to really help you make those conversions because um, people are going to try and uh, the, the need for recruiters right now that are recruiting recruiters um, is um, not to have to deal with an overwhelming mass of anonymity. They want to be able to pick out some people straight away. So these are techniques that you can do that. Uh, folks, we are literally running out of time. So John, I'm going to have to leave you here. Yeah. Um, great to see you, sir. Um, uh, stay with us and we'll be in touch uh, offline in any case. Um, we're going to bring on uh, Tangi uh, Lacroix and, uh, and uh, Caroline Hunter uh, in a second. Um, okay, folks, we, we always do this, by the way, um, in the middle of every session. We have to do it at the end of this session, nearly, uh, because actually networking is super important. And there are some brutal realities about networking on LinkedIn, which is bigger is better than smaller. It's as simple as that. It helps your visibility, helps your discoverability, and it helps you find other people. There's no question having 30,000 connections is better than 3,000. No question having 3,000 connections is better, better than 300. You need to drop all that crap and start connecting with people. So what we what we have to do now is to help each other do that. So grab your LinkedIn URL, stick it in the comment thread in Crowdcast. If you're watching this anywhere on these LinkedIn's, and I'm going out, I think, on Sophia's LinkedIn, Nikki's as well, and on mine, grab your LinkedIn URL, share it in a comment thread, and then make sure you connect with everyone else who do, does the same. Um, you should be walking away from this session minimum 50, 60, 70 new contacts. So yes, they're all recruiters, but guess what? Those recruiters are going to get jobs at some point. Maybe you get a job and you do someone else a favor. Who knows? Um, but be as connected as you can, even if the connection is of quote-unquote low quality. Um, you don't have to make friends with everyone. I wanted to answer that because I think the networking side of it is like, and keeping top of mind, not only with like on LinkedIn, like my neighbor, he's the developer. Um, I want to make sure they know I'm looking for work. I'm going to speak to, you know, my my kids' friends' mothers and let them know I'm open to work. Like, don't be afraid to to let people know you're looking because you don't know where it's going to come from. It could be from the hairdresser. It could be from the pottery studio. You know, I let everyone I know 
uh, whether they're in recruitment or not, or whether in my industry or not, that I'm I'm looking for new assignments. So yeah, just, and that's a really important point, Sophia. Um, it's not just focusing on a single channel; it's multi-channel approach. Again, remember, folks, this is marketing. Multi-channel is going to beat single channel. Um, and, and you, it's, it's increasing, it's called increasing the surface area of opportunity, yeah. um, because you don't know who's connected to who, um, uh, you, it's not visible to you. Um, so the more you kind of expose yourself, you increase your surface area, your chances of success will increase. Um, uh, these things will happen. And actually John mentioned it's karmic, but I don't think karmic is mysterious. Um, it's literally about increasing surface area. If for instance, if you're a job seeker and you're thinking, you know what, I've got some extra time, you're a recruitment expert. If you went and give free CV advice to a bunch of software developers, or if you give a, a bunch of like LinkedIn uh, hacks for, I don't know, a CTO or something, guess what? That's going to be more visible. That's going to give you another connection point. It's going to get another audience suddenly aware, oh, this person is quite useful. And then before you know it, something might come back at you. Not karma, it's increasing surface area. Okay, Caroline, I'm going to bring you on. And look, Tongi, thank you for being patient. I'm bringing you on as well. Um, guys, we're going to extend the show. We usually get to at least an hour and a bit. But we're going to go over that. Um, uh, but I think it's important that we keep uh, uh, keep this show on the go. Yeah, this is interesting and important. So we're going to keep going. Um, okay, here's Caroline. Here's Tongi as well. Uh, mainstay, main stage. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, cool. There he is. How are you doing, man? Hello, Han. Thanks for having me. Hello, Sophia. I'm good. Hello. Great to see you, man. And uh, we have Caroline Hunter as well. Wonderful to see you, Caroline. Hello. Um, okay, let's do some intros. Uh, Tongi, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What did you do? Yeah, uh, so I'm a senior talent acquisition partner, and I just started uh, in a new company uh, three weeks ago. I'm starting to work at uh, YouGov. Nice. Amazing. Well, firstly, congratulations on the job, Tongi. That's fantastic. Easy. No, and you know what? Part of the reason why, um, I mean, we, you and I met in Berlin, uh, what, Correct. six, in the same event as I met uh, with uh, Amanda Jane, actually. So wonderful f f to, to hear that you've converted an opportunity because um, uh, we, we talked about the jobs at that time. Uh, Caroline, quickly introduce yourself, who are you, what it is you do? Hi everyone, I'm Caroline Hunter, I'm a TA leader um, and I'm based in the UK. Fantastic stuff. And what's the latest with you, Caroline? I've also just started a new role this week um, on Monday. So I'm now um, a TA manager um, of a team that works across Europe in the med devices sector. Fantastic stuff. So folks, I wanted to bring on Caroline Tongi at the end because it, it is possible to find work. It's not like it is um, a complete devastation. There are opportunities out there, even though market is tough. Um, so firstly, congratulations on YouTube for this. But let's go and talk about how uh, this transpired. Uh, Tongi, go to you first. Tell us a little bit about your journey on the job search. Uh, what was your emotional sort of journey? What was the the, the, the things that happened? And uh, how did you end up converting this opportunity at YouGov? Yeah, I actually started to uh, look for a job in uh, in March, but I wasn't like super active uh, applying. Um, I really started like to be more active and um, uh, yeah, looking for jobs uh, in like more August. Um, I applied about for 60 companies, uh, got uh, into about 10 uh, hiring processes. 
Um, but yeah, lots of uh, rejection, uh, sometimes definitely not in the best way. Um, I was also attending a lot of uh, um, uh, HR and recruiter uh, meetups and uh, webinars. Uh, we met actually in Berlin, Hunga, thanks to that. I was talking as well with a lot of um, uh, recruiters. We are uh, all the same, uh, looking for similar jobs in the Berlin tech startup, but I was also looking for broader uh, opportunities also in Europe. The, yeah, uh, same uh, conclusion, really tough market uh, and yeah, companies doing emphasis on uh, uh, diversity and inclusion, ESG, upskilling on staff development and uh, much less on uh, growth. So less budget for uh, hiring and of course, more uh, recruiters on the market. So super tough uh, situation in Berlin. Um, little bit the same in, in Europe, but uh, yeah, after like uh, failing, trying again and uh, broadening, broadening my network, it worked uh, with uh, YouGov. How did the YouGov opportunity occur? Was it an application that you saw and you went for or did it come to you in a different way? Uh, no, it was um, on job boards, uh, to be honest. Uh, it didn't come through like a, an uh, unusual uh, source. Okay, cool. T to talk us through how that how, how that converted, man. I mean, w did it feel different in any way when you applied for it, or did it just you know was it, for instance, poor feedback and whatever it is, and somehow you got to the end, or was it immediately uh, it looked as if you were you you were going in there with a legit chance? No, I, I felt really considered uh, compared to the other Berlin startup that have. Uh, yeah, um, a lot of more competition uh, with YouGov. It was kind of easy, less steps, no assignments, uh, very like a trustful uh, relationship with the candidate, uh, good follow-up. Uh, so honestly, a much better candidate experience compared to the very classic Berlin startup ecosystem. Um, even though some of these startups were also doing a great job, um, I was also convinced uh, through the candidate experience and the relationship with the interviewers. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Well, firstly, I mean, we said it before, but congrats on the uh, the opportunity, Tongi. Um, great to see a, a conversion on that um, after a, a, a kind of a, a long journey. Um, Caroline, let's go to you. Um, t talk to, to us about your experience from when you uh, came onto the job market for the first time um, and and how how it came that you converted this opportunity at Strike? Um, so I uh, my previous role was made redundant. I was working in an RPO, and um, the after spending most of this year reducing the team and looking for um, spare cash down the back of the sofa, we got to the point where my role was no longer tenable. So. Um, I was informed of that um, at the end of July and officially on the market from the beginning of September, started looking throughout August. Um, and I this is the first time that I have um, been on the job market throughout my career. I've been very fortunate to date um, and have moved from within a job to another job. Um, so it's the first time I've ever been a, a candidate in the truest sense. Um, it was a shock, I can tell you. <laughs> the uh, the market is brutal and the experience was not positive. Um, I applied, like many have already said on this call, I applied for a lot of roles. Um, I made looking for a job a full-time job and was sitting here at my desk from um, morning till evening applying for jobs and um, 
working the network. Um, Hung, you've been absolutely amazing. And this whole community has been fantastic um, support through the through the experience. Um, the particular role that I got was through um, a network connection. So um, the, the somebody I was talking to, I had worked with previously, and they um, put me back in touch with someone that I, I did already know, but wasn't in regular contact with, um, and introduced reintroduced us and said, you're looking and, and you're looking for somebody. Um, so that was really fortunate. Um, so that was that was very good. And the process was um, a little bit like Tungi was just saying, it was like night and day. I don't know if this is because I did already know the organisation. I don't think so. Um, but um, it was a really pleasant, positive experience. It was intense. I had a lot of interviews. Um, but it was they kept me up to date all the way through, really good communication. Um, and it just made me feel like this was absolutely the one that I wanted to go for. Yeah, fantastic stuff. And um, and Caroline, one of the things that you've been doing, I've noticed was, again, increasing visibility online. You know, I mean, I've noticed it because you're commenting is there, your postings there and all that type of stuff. And, you know, I, I think there's two two ways in which that's valuable. Number one, we talked about the visibility um, uh, uh, as uh, uh, on the first hand. But secondly, I wonder whether it's actually useful from a mental health perspective, because you're, mm. you're engaging with people, aren't you, rather than just con totally isolated, trying to up uh, endless applications. Absolutely. I think one of the things I found the hardest my first week when I wasn't, um, you know, when my, when my laptop was sent back and, and I didn't have um, things was to look in my calendar and see it completely empty. I mean, I just uh, it, a little part of my heart died on that day when I, when I looked at it, to be honest. So what I did was start to fill my calendar with things. So these webinars um, and I made sure that I had um, at least once a week, I was catching up with someone from my network for a virtual coffee. Um, and I also did some volunteering as well. So again, some people that I had worked with previously were working on um, military transition. I know nothing about military transition, but it has got a link to TA. So I put my hand up and said, let me help. I ended up doing some admin stuff, but it was brilliant for the network and for keeping me busy. And it meant that I had calls and things in my calendar. I felt productive. I felt like I had a team. So this, all of these things were vital for my own sanity, basically, through the process so that I didn't feel completely isolated and alone. So one of my top tips for people would be find your people. So like find the people that you that are in the same experience and like if you don't like networking or going to events, that was another thing. A, a colleague of mine who lives nearby was also made redundant around the same time. And we went to some of the in-house recruitment events and, and things like that together. So we didn't have to walk in on our own, which is the bit that I, that I really wouldn't have liked to do. Um, but we also were able to connect around some kind of virtual things as well. So I had um, a little group of people who were all looking and we had a weekly call, like a team call. Um, and we used to just chat, you know, how's your week going? We were able to share war stories, but also, you know, little jokes with each other. And it just it helped inordinately to have that group of people who were going through a similar thing. A little bit like this conversation, really. So just to be able to kind of bond with with other people. And if you're having a bad day they'll help to pick you up and you do the same for them when they're having a bad day. 
Do you know what? That's I mean exactly this. What it's almost like a gym club, isn't it? Like you've got to keep yourself accountable. You've got to engage with each other, support each other. Uh, don't think that you're competing for the same job, even though it may be the case that the application is going in the same place. You get much more value interacting with each other and get building your uh, keeping morale high. Because one of the things with sort of being out of work involuntarily is that there's a risk that your morale gets eroded over time. Um, and and I can tell. I mean, it's been a long time since I've been out of work, but I have been involuntarily out of work for eighteen months before. Um, so mega mega long period of time. Um, and that I tell you, my confidence was at rock bottom at that point because um, I felt completely worthless. Um, my my target applications were going lower and lower because I just assumed that you know I wasn't capable of doing that job, therefore I was rejected. So I need to keep going lower. Um, and eventually, it got to the point where I could not go any lower. <laughs> it was literally there could not be any lower. And I realized, you know what, that aim is. There's something else going on here. Um, and but it took me a long time to realize that. Um, and if I give myself some advice back then, it's like, you know what, you have to connect with other people in the same boat because um, you've got there's a different kind of information source that they're experiencing. And even if they're you know, in the same boat and whatnot, it's just that parallel support that you're getting and you're realizing and it's not you. Uh, it's the wider marketplace. that keeps your morale at the right level, keeps you going. Just to um, rebounce oh. to to what you said and also Karen, what uh, she said. Um, you can find this emotional support uh, during these HR and talent acquisition uh, webinars and uh, uh, meetups, which actually I found uh, in Berlin. It was great. But at the same time, um, I found that uh, I got a FOMO, like a fear of missing out, of not going there, uh, would maybe avoid any opportunities that could arise there. So if I'm not here, maybe I'm missing potential future uh, employer or someone. So I needed to balance between, I need to go there because I want to have emotional support and see other uh, talent acquisition uh, people that are also looking for a job and just like share uh, about our lives, about research. But I also had the FOMO of not being there because maybe something happened and I'm not uh, actually present. That's it. I mean, going out and physically meeting someone, part of the reason why it's a positive thing is because it's unpredictable. Um, uh, the information that's exchanged is usually unstructured. Um, lots of conversations emerge and opportunities will happen. I mean, let's not forget we're recruiters, folks. Um, I think, Lee, you've been on, on the chat and you, you've, you've made some, some, some uh, I think, important comments uh, to say, actually, you know, recruiters are the ones that sniff out opportunity. Uh, we are good at actually identifying when opportunities happen. Um, so we need to get back in there. Like uh, applications isn't just about doing a search on Monster and sending a load of ad as, uh, adverts, uh, sort of applications out. Yes, you should do some of that, but it cannot be the only thing you do because yeah. that's just constantly um, grinding away um, in a way which I think is um, low percentage. Uh, some people have converted. Uh, you mentioned, Tongi, you're a great example of having converted yourself, uh, but that's not the only thing you can do um, because you've got to keep your morale high. I wonder whether some of the events you went to maintained the, the morale so that when you did come to interview, you weren't bringing negativity in with you because that can easily happen if you are low end. You know, people can smell it off you. Um, so super, super important. Oh, uh, what have you shared there, uh, Tongi? Uh, something yeah. from uh, Morgan? This is exactly what we are talking about. Uh, Morgan is, a, is a, a very talented sourcer and recruiter from Paris, currently trying to find a job in Berlin. And she has been applying to many companies. She had a 
really great sense of what is candidate experience. And she wrote an article on Medium about her journey and uh, her struggle about uh, finding a job. So I think it could summarize a lot of what we have been said today. And also, uh, yeah, sharing about her personal experience. I think it could be uh, worth to have a look uh, to, to this article. Yeah, great. And I remember, by the way, Morgan is one of those that have done the, uh, the Brain Food Tribune. So if you want to know more about her, go and read it on the, the website. Really, really cool uh, personality. Um, okay, uh, we're running short on time, folks. Yeah, I wanted to... <laughs> you can say just... something? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah of course, Sophie. Well, what Carol was saying, like keeping busy and, and turning job search into your permanent or like your, your full-time job. I think that's that's great. But with that, you also need to remember that you need a break. And they really kind of caught up with me last week was half term here in Sweden. So I took some time off with my two daughters. I didn't open my computer. I didn't write a LinkedIn post. I was off. So coming back Monday, I was actually kind of re-energized. So this week, I've, if you've seen me, I've made like one post every day on LinkedIn. I've, I've created more stuff than I did like the week before the half term. So I think you do need to, in a sense, treat it like a job. But with that, remember to take time off that job too, to actually just have a break and not do any of it occasionally as well. So don't, yeah, you need a break from it too. No, really, really important insight. So the mentality of getting into a structure, when we say job, I think we mean putting a structure to what you're doing, um, but also that structure involves taking complete break, taking a weekend, take some time away. If you need to take a week off, of course, go and do that. Um, uh, but then come back with the structure and then deploy. Um, so, uh, okay, good stuff. Uh, let's talk, let's give some advice, folks. Um, Tongi, go to you. If you could uh, advise yourself, jump back in time, six months or however it is with the start of your journey, uh, what advice would you give that guy in, in order to, um, you know, have a better experience on the job search? Yeah, um, the top advice I would give is probably start uh, measuring your application uh, from day one. I did that maybe a little bit later, and I regret, honestly, I should definitely use some, uh, some data uh, about application, uh, number of responses, positive, uh, um, is that uh, a good rejection email? Uh, do we have any reason for the rejection? Uh, number of steps, uh, length, number of assignment, etc. So having like a clear overview about what's going on. I think everybody should do that. Sometimes don't have the energy. Sometimes there is too many data to handle. But it's really key like to uh, choosing the best opportunity. And uh, also, yeah, having like a, a very accurate, an eagle eye to know exactly, okay, this is standing out from the crowd. And yeah, that would be the, the advice here. Yeah, fantastic. So yeah, track your behavior. We all talk about being data-driven, but why are we throwing out the window when we're suddenly a job seeker? Um, you know, we need to use, the reason why being data-driven is useful because it gives you insights that your instincts are not quite uh, able to do. Um, so track your applications. I would even go so far as to track your time distribution um, because you might find doing a job search, that could, you could easily get lost on the internet, right? Because you're searching for stuff, you're applying, so now you've got to keep doing before you know it, seven hours has gone by and like, you know, have you actually done useful stuff? So track your behavior. Um, Caroline, um, a final word to you. What advice would you give to yourself if you could replay uh, your journey uh, to make it easier for the next time? 
Um, I would, and I am now tracking what I have done, the outputs in my job. So um, one of the things I really struggled with was on my CV, being able to put metrics of the impact of what I've done before. Um, and so I, I, that mistake will never be made again. Um, the other thing I would suggest, if I can have a second one, would be to say to find what you can be flexible on. So I think, um, Sophia, I think it was you that mentioned, or maybe Nikki earlier on, that salary was was not an option. I think it was Nikki who said it's not an option for her to be flexible on. Um, so in this really tough market, what else can you be flexible on? Can you relocate? Can you go back to the office? Can you do a different role that is related to, but not exactly the same as the one you've done before? different industry sector where you can take your skills find what you can be flexible on because the roles that we have all enjoyed over the last few years they're just it's like musical chairs the music has stopped and there isn't enough chairs for everybody so you need to think about how can you do something a little bit different um, in order to find a role really really great advice um thank you caroline um and thank you tongi thank you sophia we have to come off air right now remember um, uh, keep in touch, everybody. Make sure you connect with everybody that you've seen on the Crowdcast, on the, all the comment threads. You can actually go back on this on replay and, and, and connect with those folks there. Why not set up a gym club uh, for the job search? Um, if you haven't done so already, do it as a Brain Food Live thing. Just say, hey, did you watch Brain Food Live on Friday? Yes, I'm also on the job search. Get together in a group and support each other as you go uh, uh, forward into uh, this market. I think this is where we're at, by the way. The worst thing we can do is to think naively, optimistically, and think, you know what, magically something happens in January. Hopefully it does. I'm not sure it will. Um, what we have to do is prepare for all eventualities, which is, you know what, this may continue for some time, in which case all of these um, uh, ideas that have been shared by our guests today um, I think uh, needs to be in your in your uh, in your pocket, um, and so that you know how to optimize what you're doing. Um, okay, everybody, we've got to leave it. Um, thanks for joining, everybody. Um, I hope you're having a good weekend as well. Make sure you take the time off and relax. Uh, this is us over and out. Uh, we'll be back next week. What are we talking about? Yes, we're on Thursday because I'll be in Eindhoven by then, um, and I'll be doing it from sunny Eindhoven, um, and it will be um, about AI-enabled candidates, folks. What are we going to be doing when the world is dominated by candidates using AI? They're pressing play, applying to thousands of uh, job uh, adverts out there, personalized. You can't tell the damn difference. Have we created recruitment systems to deal with AI-enabled candidates? Yes, no. Um, make sure you join that show, folks. Um, and follow the channel if you're interested in stuff like this as well. Okay, that's it. I've got to let everyone go. Uh, have a good weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Uh, well, that's it. That was pretty exciting, wasn't it, Sophia? Yeah. Let's just see how much work I get from this then. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I don't know how much would happen, but I hope something. Um, but yeah, just keep, um, you know, we'll keep talking, keep being the public yeah. person. I think that's going to work. I love the new blogging and, you know, the the observations of technique and stuff like this. I think that's, um, that's, a, a, that's interesting from a brain food perspective, but I think ultimately it's going to lead to positive things going forward for sure. Uh, but but the good thing is, obviously, I have been fully booked for the past four and a half years. So it's not like in terms of what kind of salary I can pay myself, I haven't been able, you know, I haven't had to lower that. So.
kind of my my personal economy is still fine. Um, yeah, and and that's 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 your credit. It's it's difficult to be um, you know um, a solopreneur for a long period of time, but the fact that you've done that, I think, um, really give, yeah gives you confidence. Um, and you know, I think some of the older heads in in the, uh, who might be watching this will probably have a little bit more confidence as well because you know it, it kind of trails around and uh, you, you'll get through it so anyway um listen i'll let you go lovely to see you um we'll hopefully catch up soon we'll do a call or something off air and whatnot Sweden. We'll see where just come here you know it's lovely and lovely and dark outside yeah, <laughs> i don't think sweden in november and me are going to get on to be honest i'll i'll i'll, I'll pop over for midsummer next year how's that yeah you can be a little frog and, and have fun <laughs> all right i'll catch you later okay bye